What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Amanda Florano on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Amanda, I'm just going to toss it at you and start wherever you'd like with your story. Thanks, Shelly. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on here. Um, And a really big thank you to all the women who've shared before. Um, They'll never know how much this podcast has helped me just to feel less lonely and pretty much validate what I was feeling is okay. Um, But I guess I'll start how me and Anthony met. We met in 2015 through a mutual friends. Um, It happens to be his best friend is dating my best friend. Um, So it was good since then, I guess. (laughs) Um, We, I moved in with him a year later after we met, we got engaged a year later and we were actually just married last August. And that's actually where the story begins. The day after we got married, I threw away my birth control pills for the first time since I was 18. I was on them. Um, So that was actually really exciting. And then not long after that, on January 21st, I found out that we were pregnant, um, which was really exciting. I remember taking the test that morning and it was very faint. And I was like, all right, I'll take it later that night. And when I came home from work, I made sure I was like, I'm not going to drink anything. I want this line to show. So I didn't drink anything. I came home and I took the test and it was definitely positive. So I used one of the bottles that my girlfriends put together for my bridal shower. They made like a basket of all firsts. So I took the um, first, first baby. Um, bottle and I put hi daddy on it and I put it with the test in the refrigerators for when he would come home he could find it um, which is he was so excited um, all he's ever wanted to, was to be a dad um, so I called the doctor and we made our first appointment and our first appointment was on February 24th we were so excited um, to hear the heartbeat I I was supposed to be measuring at nine weeks Um, so we went in and I'm laying on the table, we're getting the ultrasound and the tech was eerily quiet, um, which felt like it was an hour I was sitting on that table. I remember asking her, um, is there really a baby in there? Because I was still in shock. I peed on every single pregnancy test I had until that appointment, until I ran out to like, just make me believe that I was really pregnant. Um, and she's like, yeah, there's definitely a baby in there. And then she went quiet again and she wasn't saying anything. All of a sudden she says, are you sure you have the dates correct? And I was like, yes, um, I track regularly because I was on birth control and I wanted to make sure that I would know when everything, when I was getting my period, when I was ovulating. So I was very, very sure when my last period was and how far along I should have been but the baby was only measuring at six weeks. Um, but there was, I was told that there was a heartbeat. 
So we went into the doctors, into the other, the other room, um, and the nurse came in. And she was just saying how um, pretty much how the ovulation tests weren't trust, trustworthy and that I probably conceived later than I thought. Um, she said that there was a heartbeat. And of course, my only reaction was like, how strong is the heartbeat? And she said, it's as strong as it can be. So for me, I was like, okay, great. Um, I was told not to Google because Googling would stress me out. And she made that very clear. Um, so I was like, all right. So I, for the next two weeks, I didn't Google anything. Um, but I was still having some symptoms in the first week. And then the second week, I remember texting my husband saying, or he texts me saying, how are you feeling? And I was like, I feel great. I actually slept last night. My boobs don't hurt. And to me, I didn't know that symptoms going away could mean something. Um, like I said, I didn't Google at all, um, which was very hard, but I left it in my husband's hands to Google things. And if he felt that I needed to know, he would tell me. But me telling him I felt great he said he like instantly knew that wasn't a good sign. So we went to the follow-up doctor's appointment on March 12th and we had a different um, ultrasound tech who right away, like didn't even make us wait. Right away she said, um, there's no heartbeat. So I immediately, I immediately broke down and then we went into the doctor's office and at that point I didn't, I was in full panic mode because now I've been, the baby didn't grow at all. So the heartbeat stopped two weeks ago. So pretty much like right after my appointment. Um, so we went into the doctor's office and I was really panicking because I didn't, even know that there was a way that they could get the baby out. Um, I was, I had no clue. I never thought I would miscarriage. I was in a stage where it's not happening to me. Um, and in that two weeks, I was nasty to the world. I was blocking everybody out, my four friends. Um, I flipped out on them um, just because I felt like everything was spiraling. I didn't want to admit to myself what could be happening, even though I kind of had an idea. But since I wasn't Googling and I had no information and the doctor didn't necessarily say you could possibly miscarry, I didn't want to believe it. So when I went into the doctor's office, um, I had a different doctor. I didn't see the nurse this time. And he told me um, that I had what was called a missed miscarriage. and my body wasn't responding, but the placenta was measuring correctly. So the placenta was still growing at 11 weeks, uh, but the baby stopped at six. So in my head, I'm like, am I going to have to keep carrying this baby until my body does it? And he was like, well, we have, you could either take the pill or you could go for a DNC. And now he said, well, you could take the pill and you could go home or you could, we could schedule you for a DNC. And what a DNC is, they're going to come and they're going to they're gonna put you under and they're going to scrape your uterus. 
So now I'm like, well, I just lost this pregnancy. I never want to not have babies again. And scraping my uterus is just terrifying. So I opted for the pills. Um, and we were actually going away that Monday. So I was like, well, I'll just take the pills, relax for the weekend, and do this at home. So this was actually on a Thursday. And I ended up going into work that Friday because I had to um, pick up the pills from the pharmacy in the hospital. And I, I remember just sitting in work and like in meetings and thinking about what was, what I had to do that night and how nobody knew what was happening. And it was just the most lonely feeling I've ever had. Um, so on March 13th, which was ironically Friday the 13th, um, I took the Cytotec. Oh, speaking of, I wanted to mention in the doctor's appointment, since I was completely clueless to this whole ordeal, um, he said that the pills were three pills and I would just insert them vaginally. And my question I asked him was, do I take them all at once? Meaning like, do I take one, like all of them at the same time or do I spread them out like by like an hour or two, every two hours? And he was so insensitive. He, at the time I, it was like kind of a shock that it even came out of his mouth and it didn't bother me as much. But now that I think back at it, it's like he said, no, um, it might be hard to put them all, to shove them all up there at once. And he did like this arm gesture. Um, like shoving them up there and he goes just put them in one at a time at the same time it's like okay that was my question he could have completely left out that first comment um making me feel worse than I already am but so I took the site attack at 6 30 Friday night when my husband was home um I wanted to make sure I wasn't gonna be alone so I took the pills and I just sat on the couch with him and that's when like the reality hit and I cried so hard. Um, so I started bleeding probably within like 45 minutes, but it wasn't a lot. Um, and then I started cramping and I was like, I just need to go lay upstairs. So I went into bed with a heating pad and I was cramping so bad. Um, the doctor told me it would be like a little worse than period cramps but this was not even close to period cramps and I get pretty bad cramping when I have my period um but this was like there was no break it was just constant pain for about four to five hours um the only position I was comfortable in was child's pose which wasn't even really that comfortable either um and at this time, the bleeding had stopped, which I thought was weird, but I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go with this. Something's happening. Um, and then I finally like fell asleep for a couple hours. And at 4 a.m., I woke up with like this really strong urge to like push in my stomach. So I went to the bathroom, and that's when I started like the clotting started and the bleeding. And it was just something I never would have even imagined. Um, the amount of blood was just unreal. And I remember sitting like, on the toilet, looking at the sun sunrise 
thinking I'm like wow this is the first sunrise I'm seeing in our new house and it it was just horrible my husband kept checking on me like every five minutes and I'm like I'm okay I'm okay but I really just wanted to be alone um I'm not good with pain I don't like people seeing me like that even though it's my husband um since then we've come a far long way and now he's seen things and he probably well he's he's used to it now <laughs> but so I did that and then I just around 8 eight thirty, he went to work and I just left the bathroom and passed out for the day I was so tired um so I just kind of relaxed that weekend um I went to my mom's after I woke up just so I wasn't in the house by myself um but that Monday, we ended. We drove down to North Carolina from New Jersey. So that Monday, New Jersey went on lockdown from COVID, and um, North Carolina wasn't really that bad. So we were like, okay, well, we could still go. We'll see. Still, everything is open. Um, we had to stop every like hour driving down because I had to go to the bathroom. I was still cramping. Um, not as bad, but pretty bad to the point where I couldn't really stand up straight. Um, I was still having a lot of clotting. Um, so we finally got there and the next day was my husband's birthday. And as we're getting ready, which was St. Patrick's Day, um, as we're getting ready to go out to the bar with his sister and my mother-in-law and my mom, uh, North Carolina shuts down for COVID. So now we're stuck in the house. We're like, all right. Uh, my sister-in-law has, my sister-in-law's husband made phenomenal tacos. I still remember those tacos. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> he made that like the, um, the tortillas from scratch. Everything was from scratch, the guacamole. It was incredible. So we just kind of hung out that night, took it easy. Um, then the next morning I woke up with really bad cramping again. And a lot, I was going to the bathroom and I have IBS. So I kind of chalked it up to that, um, that I was just having an attack. Maybe it was like too much wine or something just didn't agree with me. It could be as simple as like eating a piece of pasta that could set it off. Um, so that's what I was thinking. And I was after like a couple, like an hour or two. And I was like, all right, maybe, I stopped going to the bathroom. I was like, all right, I'm going to get into the shower and see how I feel. Um, and halfway through the shower, I just started gushing blood. Um, I dropped to my knees. The cramping in my, was in my back this time. It was so painful. I was in the shower for probably about 45 minutes. Um, I just was on the floor and I couldn't move. The water had gone cold, but I was so scared I was going to get blood all over her bathroom that I just kind of stayed in the, in the shower. Um, so then finally, when it like slowed down a little, I got out and um, right away I put a pad on and I got back into bed because I was dizzy. I was shaking. Um, I called the doctor's office right away and everybody was downstairs having breakfast. Um, I called the doctor's office right away and I told them, they're like, you need to come in. And I was like, I 
can't, I'm in North Carolina right now. Um, so they're like, all right, go to the hospital. So I text my husband. I was like, can you, you and mommy come upstairs? So they come upstairs and I told them, I was like, I have to go to the hospital. Um, you just got off the phone with the doctor. I'm bleeding really bad again. I couldn't get, and I reiterated the whole story to them. Um, and we went to the ER and we're like, and of course we're like, I'm laying there. They're setting up the COVID test tents outside. So now like I'm a huge germaphobe. So this whole uh, COVID issue has increased that drastically. Um, so we're sitting in the like waiting room and I'm still shaking. Now I'm panicking because I'm like, well, now I have to go home to my mom. Like if I catch it and we didn't really know anything about it. Um, and not only that, like we're from New Jersey who has a high rate. So now I'm worried about spreading it through Matthew's hospital in North Carolina um, because they didn't have any cases yet. Um, I was like, if I'm, so I was worrying about that as well. So then the nurse came in, um, they took my blood, they sent me for an ultrasound, which um, they said was fine. So the doctor came in and did a pelvic exam, which was the most painful pelvic exam I've ever had. Um, my husband actually was like holding my shoulders. I was crying. The doctor was going as fast as he could to make sure like the bleeding was stopping and everything looked all right. Um, and of course it wasn't even, I was sitting on like a bedpan to push my pelvic pelvis up instead of an actual table. So on top of that, it was just, my back was sore. Like I was just very uncomfortable. Um, so then that's when he told me, he's like, your body must have miscarried again to try and expel the rest of the tissue. But the ultrasound looks great. Um, yeah, there was nothing. So they said it, the bleeding should stop within a couple days. Um, so I was like, all right. Um, and I had a follow-up appointment with my doctor anyway. But I went, I took, we ended up leaving my sister-in-law's early because I just, I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be in my bed. We were supposed to go see my aunts in South Carolina the second half of the week. I mean, this was the week that we were supposed to be telling everybody that we were having a baby. It was supposed to be so happy. But instead, I was in the hospital having another miscarriage for the same pregnancy and in so much pain. So then, so we went home um, instead. And I still, I stayed home that week. I already had the week off. And instead of going back to work, I was like, I'm just going to stay home. And I was so done at this point and exhausted. Um, I had my follow-up appointment for the doctor that week anyway. And I kept calling and saying, um, do I need to come in? The ultrasound in the hospital showed that everything was cleared and, uh, and that I was fine. And they were like, no, I was like, all right, well, if I send you the ultrasound report, maybe can we not do an ultrasound? Um, just because it's just too much. And 
he said, no, I really want you to be seen by one of our techs and we want to confirm it because the ultrasound techs in the hospital aren't as familiar. They don't do it as often. So I was like, all right. So I went there and the receptionist mistook me saying that I didn't want to come in, but the doctor saying that I had to, and she canceled my appointment. So I just stood at the desk and I broke down crying. Um, and they got me in, but I had to sit in the car for an hour to wait because they weren't letting people wait in the office, which was fine. At least I was able to like call my husband. He distracted me while I was waiting. I was on the phone with my mom because he was at work. I didn't think that he needed to be there, um, that it was just confirming that it was really over. Um, so it was just very stressful and I was aggravated. I just wanted to get it over with and go back home, put my pajamas back on and lay in bed. Um, so we finally, I went in, had an, another ultrasound and the tech saw more tissue. So they didn't, at this point, a DNC wasn't really an option because New Jersey was, the hospitals were completely shut down. Um, they consider it an elective surgery, which I don't understand what it, what elective, what is elective about this, but um, it's considered elective. So he sent me home with a prescription for progesterone, which I t started taking right away. Um, and then. A couple nights after I started taking it, I started getting, I woke up out of like a dead sleep and I started going to the bathroom again. I started throwing more clots. Um, this time I was throwing up. I had a fever. Um, so now I'm dehydrated and I'm so weak. I couldn't even walk to the bathroom anymore. Like if I left the hall, I had to sleep outside of the bathroom in the hallway because I didn't have the energy to run back and forth from the bed to the bathroom. And honestly, half the time, I didn't think I was make it from the bed to the bathroom. So finally, like my husband woke up, I was able to get into bed and we started calling doctors. Um, but since nobody was really available, I ended up waiting for a telemed doctor for two hours on the phone who then told me that he was worried about sepsis and wanted me to go back to the ER. And I was like, well, I'm not going to the ER right now until I talk to my doctors. So I called the doctor and they're like, do you have pain here? And they had me pushing on my stomach. And I said, no, I don't. Um, I'm just really tired now and I have a fever. Like my body really hurts. So they were like, all right, so you probably passed the, t the rest, the remaining of the tissue last night. So just relax and keep us updated. And they scheduled me for another appointment. Um, so again, I just, that time I called my boss and I was, cause I was working from home and I couldn't even get myself to go downstairs let alone actually work that day so as soon as I said I was having I had a fever and um GI issues she 
immediately wanted to send me to the hospital for testing. Um, I work for in a hospital, so she was aware of what was actually going on with COVID. And she said, we just started this new testing and we could get, she's like, I'll get you in right away. I, she's like, I think you really need to be seen. So of course I told her, I was like, Hey, I was like, listen, I'm like, I'm having a miscarriage, mis miscarriage and my body's not, not cooperating. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just exhausted. And I told her the whole story. Um, because actually the day before I left for vacation, I left work early in like excruciating pain in my side, which was very weird. I remember I had Chipotle and I'm like, I'm never having Chipotle again. Um, but so I told her and she was very understanding. She let me take um, a week's sick leave, which was so helpful because I was able to just focus on myself again and healing and take the time I needed. My mom was working from home too. So we'd have, she'd come over and we'd hang out in my backyard and have our lunch dates. Um, she made sure I got 20 minutes of sun a day because, so I wouldn't fall into a depression. Um, it was very supportive. Uh, my husband came home every day. It was so supportive. Um, and then on April 16th, they made me wait three, three weeks after the progesterone for another appointment. So at this time now it's April 16th and I'm still bleeding. It wasn't heavy, but it was enough to be annoying where the inside of my thighs were like where the pad wings fold over was just now raw because it's been a month of complete just bleeding and pads and it was so uncomfortable. And every time I tried to get myself out of it, like do like start working out or do some gardening, um, anytime I overexerted, even carrying a laundry basket downstairs or upstairs, I would start cramping and bleeding a lot again. And I'm like, this can't be normal. But the doctors didn't seem too concerned. So the, three weeks later, on April 16th, I went to my follow-up appointment again. Um, and I'm laying on the ultrasound table and the tech goes, I still see tissue. So I just start hysterically crying because I'm so over this and I just want this to be done. A situation that's just so horrific to begin with is, has been dragged on for so long. Um, so the doctor, this was a different doctor than the one that told me to just shove the pills right up there. Um, and she came in, she, the door flung open and she didn't even introduce herself. And she was just, this is it. You have to go for a DNC. She's like, this is wrong. What's been happening. Um, she's like, I can't even imagine the pain you're going through, not just physically, but emotionally. And she was the first doctor in that office that I felt cared about me as a person and not worried so much about COVID going on. And she genuinely wanted to help me. So that was kind of like a relief because I was like, finally, somebody's like going to help me somehow. 
and at this point I was scared of the DNC so I mean I was asking questions like well is this gonna help prevent me from getting pregnant again like what are the chances of something going wrong um and she reassured me with everything and made me feel comfortable but I think I trusted her more because of how pissed off she was that the previous doctor dragged me through this so much because he was afraid of COVID. So at that point, I did find out that um, day-stay surgeries or elective surgeries were taking emergency visits and emergency appointments. And at this point, um, I was at risk of infection. So I was considered an emergency. Um, she was on the phone with the hospital before I even left the exam room, which was a really good feeling that, again, somebody in this office cared um, about the pain I was going through. Um, so she called me, I called my husband and I was like, I have to go into the hospital. Um, we don't know if it's gonna be tomorrow or next week. She's going to see when they could get the staff in because now they're calling the staff were only coming in um, for these emergency surgeries. Um, so she called me at like 530 and she says, I got you in for tomorrow morning. And I was like, so relieved. As scared as I was about it, it was just finally, this is going to be over. Um, and I could but mentally take care of myself because it was really hard to be positive and not fall into a really dark place when every time I went to the bathroom I was reminded of what was happening um, and then I was reading like girls would only bleed for a few days maybe a week or two and I'm like I'm going on like six weeks now of continuous bleeding and it was just horrible. Um, so April 17th, I went in for the DNC. I had to go in alone. My husband wasn't allowed, um, but he did take the day off. So he drove me in. Um, and one of my old boss actually texted me. And um, of course my name, working in a hospital, it's kind of hard. So, um, she texted me just to see if I was okay. And of course I broke down and I was like, this is what's going on. She goes, let me see if I can at least come in with you. And they wouldn't even let her in. And um, that was really scary because I don't, at this point, I was still more scared of going under and having people like all up in there. <laughs> like and me being completely knocked out um it was such a very uncomfortable feeling that these people I don't know are going to be seeing things but I hear after pregnancy all of that's gone all of that shame and all of don't look at me is gone um but at that point I was that was what was on my mind um so um my husband dropped me off at the hospital, I walk in and right away, um, security stops me, I get screened, and they walk me up to the unit. Everybody was so unbelievably amazing and comforting and understanding. Um, 
I was crying from the second I walked into the hospital. And so I'm like, so, and they were, they didn't wait at all. They, I got changed right away into the gown. Um, I went and I laid down. They had the IV in me before they even had asked me questions. And like, I mean, they confirmed who I was, obviously, but um, they were so understand. They were so, so sweet. Um, but I remember then the doctor came in and this was a different doctor. She was very, very, very sweet as well. But then she got a call right as they were about to wheel me in. Um, she got an emergency call on the labor and delivery floor. So she was like, just give me 20 minutes. I'll be right back. I'm like, all right. And at this point, I'm sitting, another girl comes in with her husband. I don't know how she pulled that off, but her husband came in and she was for, she was here there for the same reason. She was getting a DNC. Um, but then I even got more upset because I was like, why am I not allowed to bring my husband and I'm sitting here by myself? Which seemed really unfair, but I just, they put me by like the window, which was great because I was just looking outside, trying to pretend I wasn't there. Um, and the anesthesiologist came over and I wish I knew, remembered his name because out of every, how great everybody was, he was the only one that showed real sympathy for what I was going through. And I remember the doctor came back and he was talking to me and he just grabbed my, he just grabbed my foot as like a reassurance, but right before we went, but I saw in his eyes. And at that point, I was like, all right, I feel okay. Um, but then then they're like, all right, we're going to give you some medicine. And it's going to be like a big glass of wine. And I'm like, okay. So then I start going off about my favorite wine because that kicked in so fast. And I was like, you have to get this wine. There's no hangover. It's great. As I'm being wheeled in to the operating room. Um, which I guess was kind of funny. And then then I was out cold um and I just woke up and I had really bad cramping again and they were like that's normal I'm like okay so after about a half hour like you can't go anywhere until you eat or drink so of course I ate and drank as fast as I could just get me out of the hospital um they called my husband he came and picked me back up um we got Chick-fil-a on the way home no we got Popeye's on the way home it's our new favorite fast food. Um, and I just went home and cried. And I couldn't stop crying. Um, so I think it was like, I remember maybe two weeks after I went in for another exam. They didn't do an ultra. I don't think they did an ultrasound. At this point, I stopped really paying attention, and I kind of just gave up, and I'm like, just do what you got to do. Um, and I saw a different, another different doctor this time. There's about six doctors in this practice. Um, at this point, there's only one I haven't met within a three-month span, but um, she came in, asked how I was feeling. Um, and I told her I was all right and whatever. Then 
I, and then I was still bleeding from the DNC at this point, but not too heavy, not too heavy. And it was, it wasn't like fresh blood. Um, then it stopped after that appointment, it stopped for a few days. And I was like, Oh, finally, like sigh of relief. Like it's over. Like it's really over. And as horrible that sounds because I know it was my baby, but I've never actually had the chance to mourn her because I was just constantly going through the physical aspect of it that I couldn't even bear the mental aspect of it. Um, the fact that the baby's heart stopped, which later I found out they didn't know if it was my heartbeat or the baby's heartbeat. Um, because they couldn't confirm if it was in the baby's chest or not. And then thinking back, I'm like, well, why did the nurse tell me that it's as strong as it can be and giving me that hope, that false sense of hope that everything can be okay when in, because now everybody has access to their notes in the patient portal when it says clearly in her notes that they don't know if it's whose heartbeat it was. So um, after I had a few days of not bleeding, I started spotting again. Um, and I called the doctor and she was like, this isn't normal, you should not be spotting. But at this point after my last, um, my last experience with progesterone, I didn't want to try it again. And she was like, you could either, we could do, you could go back on the progesterone and try and restart your cycle, or you could just wait for your period. And I was like, well, I mean, at this point, like my body has been through so much. Um, I'm going to trust my body to try and heal itself. Um, and a week and a half later, I did get a full blown period. So this was May. So then we were cleared to start trying again. And I was like, great. So right away, like my husband's like, of course, let's do this. Like he's excited and ready and so supportive. Like he's drinking my um, power smoothies in the morning and we're eating salads and we're trying to be healthy. Um, he's like trying to keep me calm and after I ovulated, about two or three days later, I start spotting again for another three or four weeks. Um, and this is going up until about three weeks ago. And then it stopped. But this time the spotting was heavier, so I wasn't sure if it was a period or if it was spotting, um, but there really wasn't that much fresh blood. Um, but it would switch from very, very light to heavy. Um, it was only when I went to the bathroom. It was never like on the pad or anything. And then the doctor called me again. She's like, I really want to put you on progesterone. And I was like, I don't want to do that at all. Um, so I stopped spotting again and I was like, okay, well maybe that was my period. Maybe things are actually starting to work out. Um, then I went for, I usually um, go for a walk because I'm 
seeing a therapist who's absolutely wonderful and has gotten through this entire thing, um, which I felt like I didn't need one at first, that I was being dramatic because my baby, we didn't even know if the baby had a heartbeat. We never had a good ultrasound. But to me, it still was a baby. Um, and she reassured me that what I was feeling was okay um, because I was a mom. And the second those lines showed up, um, I became a mom. So it's more, the hardest part is thinking of everything that was lost, that won't be. And uh, not necessarily the pain I went through because honestly, talking about it, I remember it very vividly. Like I remember the blood um, and where the pain was, but I don't really remember, remember the physical pain. I just remember laying there and being upset. Like this is, I'm losing my baby. Um, and also dealing with the comments like, um, this is a blessing and you must be so relieved it's finally over. And I'm like, yes, I am relieved, but I also am not because it's over and my baby is really gone. Um, so I think the hardest thing, I think that's what made me want to come on here and share my story more was to just let other girls know that they're not alone and maybe like um if people are listening that haven't experienced it to know like it was a baby and it wasn't just nothing we lost it's way more than that um but yeah so we're still back we're still trying we're still trying to be positive um, I'm actually in the two-week wait right now, which is why me and mommy are in Cape May, trying to get my mind off of everything. And uh, yeah, I think that's, the, I'm sure I had a lot more to say, but that's <laughs> all I can think of right now. <laughs> I I honestly, like, I love how much you talked about the food that you ate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what got me through. Like, like, yes, girl. <laughs> I my was... husband's a chef, so he. Oh, nice. So I he... was all everything's pizza. healed with food. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was I was cracking up. I'm like, yep, I feel yeah. Well, I like... I remember the food too. <laughs> yeah, I remember the food. I don't remember what I did that night, but I remember I ate food. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, thank you so much for sharing. I always ask at the end of every episode if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? So uh, this part has actually been. I knew I knew this question was coming because I've been listening to your podcast for a month now, every day. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I actually was also listening to another podcast where she, um yoga girl she said something about grieving which I thought would be good to share because my advice would be to talk about it um and know that you're not alone there's such an amazing community out there um of women that have gone through this and are willing to talk about it and willing to help and willing 
to make sure you are okay. Um, but this is the quote. Um, it says, all we can do for the ones we lost is just miss them, feel them, talk about them, and remember who they are. Talking can be really, really hard, but it can also be so releasing. Just speaking their name out loud, talking to them through writing or speaking, trusting that the ones we lost become these angels that are always with us. Reach out to them and ask for help, ask for signs. They will answer. And when the hurt is unbearable, um, try to be grateful that you were able to feel a love so strong and so big that it just cracked your heart right open. And be grateful that you felt that love. So I guess my advice would be, for me, the most helpful thing has been talking about it. Yeah. I love that quote. That, it, that like, hit home, for sure. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, so I have my Instagram. I think it's Amanda Rose OB. If you don't know, if you don't, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. There's (laughs) an underline somewhere in there. Um, (laughs) I'll link it. (laughs) Yeah, I also have one on that's linked to that. So I started it a few weeks ago or the beginning of June, I think. Um, I started a miscarriage page that I started really just for myself to get my feelings out. It was anonymous for a while. Um, But then I just actually introduced myself a week ago. Um, which has been really great because it's also opened up a community of other women and it's kind of like like all these friends and my husband yeah. will be like who are you talking to like <laughs> at 10 30 at night and I'm like oh I'm talking to my friends and he's like yeah well you know it's 10 30 I was like well I don't know when the world where in the world they are it might not be 10 30 for them <laughs> so that was also connected to my profile Awesome. Okay. I'll go ahead and I'll link that. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing this morning. I really appreciate it. And you'll have to keep us posted on everything that comes for you in the future. I will. Thank you for having me. Yes. We'll chat soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.